had a moment when I woke up and I'm like, where am I? Because of course, you know, I was in all hotels, different countries, different cities. I woke up and I'm like, oh my God, where am I? And I realized I was at home in my own bed and I didn't even know it. I hadn't even recognized. I, I just, I didn't know that I was where I was. Hey, this is Achim Novak, executive coach and host of the My Fourth Act podcast. If life is a five-act play, how will you spend your fourth act? I have conversations with exceptional humans who have created bold and unexpected fourth acts. Listen and be inspired, and please rate us and subscribe on whatever platform you are listening on. Let's get started. I am absolutely delighted to welcome Pamela Mitchell to the My Fourth Act podcast. Pamela Mitchell, who is known as Coach Pamela, is a former entertainment executive turned reinvention coach. Fortune Magazine has dubbed Pamela the Queen of Reinvention. She's a sought-after brand ambassador and reinvention expert who has been featured in all major media. Pamela's book, The Ten Laws of Career Reinvention, was a top-tier business book selection by Harvard Business Review. Pamela has since released two Audible originals, each a top 10 Audible bestseller, titled Mastering the Skill of Reinvention and Pivot and Pursue It. Pamela's firm, the Reinvention Institute, is celebrating its 20-year anniversary this year. And one of the many things I appreciate about Pamela is that she she grabbed the word reinvention before that was a buzzworthy or trendy thing to do. Welcome, Pamela. Hello, Akeem. Thank you so much for having me today. I'm so excited to speak with you. And I just want to say, in full disclosure, Pamela and I both live in South Florida, so we we occasionally cross cross paths in our social lives. And Pamela is somebody whose work and career I admire greatly. When I'm sure that when you went to school, you were a young girl, you weren't thinking about re- being a reinvention coach. So thinking about being when, you know, because people ask us, what do you want to be when you grow up? Oh, gosh. You know, when I was a little girl, and I would say like five, probably until like eight or nine or 10, I wanted to be a librarian. That was my dream. The idea of being surrounded by books. I just loved books. And I would go to the library and the librarians were like the coolest people I knew because I could just talk to them about like what I was interested in and they would make recommendations and I could just enter all these different worlds through books. So I thought that that would be what I wanted to do. And what I love about this, as I related to your current life, books also stimulate thinking and ideas. They generate possibility for us. And the best books get us in an emotional place where things matter and we care. And I know you do all of that with your own work right now, even though the shape is completely different, right? Exactly. It's about opening people's minds. It's about opening their worlds. And to your point, opening possibility. I mean, that's what books did for me as a little girl in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, who like really didn't have um, 
any kind of examples of a world bigger than the world I lived in and was not really talked about or rewarded to leave that world. You know, everybody kind of stayed in that kind of little town, not it was a little town, it's a city, but everybody kind of stayed there. And so this idea that I had, which was like very kind of quiet, which was to um, somehow do something different and not be there, you know, books were where I could indulge in that and see that it was possible because the world was not telling me it was possible. Because this podcast is about multiple acts and you had, you're very well schooled. You had one professional act and then you've turned it all upside down. So I'd like to go to your very impressive initial corporate career. You worked in really well-known media entities. If I'm going to drop some names, you had a senior role at Playboy. You were at Discovery Channel. Those are just impressive, well-known brands. And in my experience, there's always... There are the cool moments and there are the moments where you go, what the hell am I doing here? <laughs> what are a moment or two that stand out where you go, oh, this is amazing that I get to do this? I would say that one of those moments was when I got first started in the entertainment field. Well, actually, the first trip that I took was to Cannes to the south of France. Now, of course, everybody knows Cannes because of the Cannes Film Festival, but you know there are many festivals that happen in Cannes, including for television. Um, so I got to go to MIPCOM, which were like the big television festivals. One of those Cannes trips, we were meeting with a client and I did international uh, licensing and distribution for their multimedia group for the Discovery Channel. And so this particular client who we were discussing doing a licensing deal with in their country had a, a yacht. He said, why don't you come after we, you know, we're in the conference, you know, having the meeting. He said, why don't you come to my yacht and have lunch and have a swim? <laughs> this is you know, the middle of the day. Okay. Yeah. And I'm like, no, 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 no. Uh, also, because I'm a typical black girl, and I'm like, okay, am I going to really have to like my hair, get my makeup? And, you know, it's a good thing for a woman um, to like get undressed and put on a swimsuit and go swimming or whatever. But he was like, no, 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 let's do this. I and my colleague, we went and we had this lovely, lovely lunch. And then we went swimming in the Mediterranean. That moment I was like it is the middle of the afternoon and I am with a client yeah swimming in the Mediterranean this is amazing I love so many things about that story but I was also thinking until we experience that moment it's almost hard to envision it and once we've had the experience we can envision more of it and more of different things, right? And I love that you gave yourself permission to show up and do it. <laughs> I know, it was, it was hard. It was like there was a lot of arguing going on in my head. Corporate work at the level that you describe also can come with a lot of stress, a lot of pressures, and can be tough. So if you take us to the other end, was there a moment or so you went, I don't know. I don't know if this is right. I don't know when I do this. This doesn't feel good to me. Well, the more senior you get in an organization, the more it's about navigating the politics of the organization. What makes me a great coach also made me good at corporate politics, but I didn't feel that it was the best use of my talents. Yeah. You know, fighting turf battles within organizations, what difference did that make in the world? Yeah. So I had already been feeling a little bit dissatisfied from that perspective. There was a moment when I traveled, right? Because I did international. So I would travel 
I would do three weeks, two to three week trips, because to me, it just didn't make sense to go in and out back and forth. So if I went out, I was going out for like three weeks. So that was my life close to 10 years. So two things. One is I had a moment when I woke up and I'm like, where am I? Because of course, you know, I was in all hotels, different countries, cities. I woke up and I'm like, oh my God, where am I? And I realized I was at home in my own bed. And I didn't even know it. I hadn't even recognized. I didn't know that I was where I was. So that was one moment where I was like, um, I don't have a life where I live. Right. I have this life in the world, but I don't have a life where I live. The second thing, you know, I lived in lower Manhattan. I lived three blocks from the World Trade Center. I was home when the, and here we are, we're filming this right before September 11th. So um, home right before when the towers fell, like I was home when the planes hit, I was getting ready to go out. I came back and I'd been walking across the Brooklyn Bridge. I like when everybody was rolling in the streets above that whole big cloud, that was me. I was part of that. So I had had this, I'd already been feeling dissatisfied, but going through that experience where you know, I had to run, literally run from my house through the streets, not know what was going to happen, couldn't go home for a month, hazmat, a whole bit. It just started me down this road of thinking, life is short and I want to make an impact in the world. And this has been a great life. Like it was great. I had a beautiful loft in Tribeca. I had a great career. I had great friends. I traveled the world. But at that point, I said, you know, if I continue on this path, I, in the next 10 to 15 years, I'll have exactly the same thing. This is all I'll have because that's what this life delivers. And if I want anything different, then I need to make a change. So that those two things kind of were the catalyst of of that next change. I really appreciate you taking us to 9-11 as you were talking. I lived about 15 blocks north of you. We didn't know each other at the time, but I remember standing at the corner of 6th Avenue and Carmine Street, Mm -hmm. watching the second tower coming down. And we both left New York around similarly a few years later. And my journey of my inner journey started in that moment. Right. But what I also got, we have to give ourselves permission to investigate and ask the questions, right? You have these wonderful laws in your book that I love. I, I've had the book forever and I just <laughs> out of my, uh, you know, my bookshelf, our conversation. And that's ironic that you talked about travel because one of your laws is law for what you seek is on the road less traveled. Mm-hmm. And that is the road you chose. Would you talk a little bit about the meaning of that for our listeners, but also for you? What really happens many times when we stand on the precipice of a change is that there is the obvious path, the one that makes sense, given what we've done in the past. And that's, for me, it would have been to get another job in entertainment. Like that was the job that, that was the path that made sense. The path that didn't make sense, the one that we can't imagine often is the richest path, but it requires us to to follow that road less traveled and not get the uh, usual support or the kudos of the world in that. For me, that was leaving New York City. 
and leaving entertainment, which everybody was like, what are you doing? And even I was like, what am I doing? Uh, I never thought I'd leave New York City. I never thought I, I loved New York City. And I was like diehard New Yorker. But this idea of being open to leaving the city was huge for me, as well as open to leaving entertainment. What so speaks to me about what you just said, when I left Manhattan and I lived in the glamorous West Village, you were you were a little south of me. And I told people that I was going to South Florida. Everybody asked, but aren't you going to miss New York? Aren't you going to miss this and that and that? And in the spirit of our conversation, and I somehow I magically got that. I said, I don't need South Florida to be like New York. Mm -hmm. If I wanted New York, I would stay in New York. That's right. I want to give South Florida permission to be different because I want to be in a different experience, right? Right. Now, you started the Reinvention Institute. I love the word institute. I, you know, I'm originally from Germany where everything is called institute, right? <laughs> so culturally, that's meaningful to me. But you also put a word on the map that 20 years ago wasn't maybe as current as it is now. So, and we just heard a little bit about your own reinvention and it was a big step, not a small one. But if you wanted to explain to our listeners about your understanding of the word reinvention and what reinvention might mean in their own lives, right. what is that? First, let me say that my leaving entertainment to become a coach was actually my second reinvention. Okay. My first reinvention was to leave Wall Street to move to the entertainment field. And that was the one that taught me the journey and process that I now teach to others. So this idea of leaving one thing that you've done for work mm. and changing to something different or changing it up in a way that's not expected. Yeah. Like I'd had to go through that journey when there was nothing in the world talking about reinvention. There were no reinvention coaches, you know, there were no books or anything like that. And in fact, if you said you wanted to make a switch, like everything was about climbing the ladder in your career, nothing about switching ladders. Reinvention is a word. And I chose it because to me, it really captured this sense of possibility. Reinvention is a word that a lot of times has baggage because people think of it as kind of these drastic changes, like going from entertainment or from Wall Street to entertainment or leaving all of that behind and coming down and becoming a coach. And that's one version of entertainment, of reinvention. But reinvention just means really doing something differently that isn't expected. So you can be in the same place and reinvent what you're doing by taking on an unexpected path or changing how you do something. So there's small, small versions of reinvention, and then there are the big ones. So that's what I want the listeners to understand is that you don't have to leave your entire life behind to pursue a reinvention. You know, you get to take all the good pieces or the big pieces, and it can just be a little small thing. I always say, I say in the book, don't use a power saw when pinking shears will do, right? Yeah, right. And a little tweaks. A word from your sponsor. That's me. I invite you to go to the website associated with this podcast, www.myfourthact.com. 
You will find other equally inspiring conversation with great humans. And you will also learn more about the, the My Fourth Act Mastermind groups, where cool people figure out how to chart their own fourth acts. Please check it out. And now back to the conversation. To build on what you just said is, I think the question often is, do I make an adjacent move or do I make a big change, which is what you're talking about. Your story, I think of as a really big change. And at the same time, I have a hunch because you became an entrepreneur. You did your own thing. That was no regular paycheck. That can be really scary for people. And at the same time, I have a hunch there were a lot of skills that you had learned that transferred into your business that on the outside looked really different. But what are some skills, gifts, talents beside your passion for reinvention that helped you that you had already learned as you launched your business? Uh, okay. So yeah, the entrepreneurial journey. No joke. <laughs> <laughs> That is truly no joke. And I am really grateful to be here 20 years later. Yes. <laughs> um, yes. Accomplishment. Okay. So some of the things that I took from entertainment, the idea creating what I would say is a brand and content that you license, because that's what entertainment companies do. They create a show or something. It's all around the brand. Um, bigger brand or smaller brand of the show. They create one piece of content and then it just goes out on all platforms. So I took that right off the bat. I was like, you know what? I am going to create a piece of content and then I'm going to put that out on all platforms. I'm going to look at creating a brand because that's how you do that. And then from Wall Street, I took the focus on revenue because when I went to coach school, back when there were only like 11 coach schools in the world, or I should say in the U.S., not in the world, because there were international coach schools. But in the U.S., there were maybe 10 or 11 that, that I researched that were there uh, for the International Coach Federation. It was only one person and myself that even used the term revenue. So I took that like very fundamental focus on revenue and brought that into this as well, which is also unusual for coaches. One thing I like to joke about, but that was very intentional for me, like when I started my first business 20 years ago, so there are lots of parallel tracks between you and me. And I, I said, one decision I made, I'm not going to be a cheap date. <laughs> I know you are a boutique brand and you, my friend, are also not a cheap date. Nah. If you were to give guidance to anybody, because many people may have, say, I have this dream of doing something. I want to launch that on my own. but how will I make money at it? You talked about brand reutilization, right? But how do you, Pamela, and I'm not going to speak about me, but how do you decide that you're, I'm going to be a top brand? I'm going to be a boutique brand. You know, I'm not going to be Kmart and there's nothing wrong with Kmart, but that's not me. It's true when, um, when they said, here's the range for coaches, what they make on average based on your skill. And I said, well, I'm going to be like right above that range. Like I'm going to be in the top boutique. I think it's because from the start, I had a focus on two things. One is what is the problem that I help people solve? Um, that is the fundamental piece. It's if you're not helping someone solve a problem, then it's very difficult to be a top brand. Yeah. 
So you have to focus on what's the problem that I help people solve. And then I focused on, well, and that they would pay for, right? Because there are lots of problems that people have that they're not willing to pay to solve, uh, but ones that they're willing to invest in. And then I decided that I wanted to be known as the expert in reinvention. Like from the very beginning, I was like, okay, I need to be the national expert in this topic. And that, and I, it was a very conscious decision. And I started to map out this whole strategy so that over the course of like 10 years that I could position myself as the expert in reinvention, career reinvention. And that you have done. And that I have done. It was a very deliberate focus. So the, as I get older, the question that always interests me, and I think you and I have similar sense that once we put our minds to something, we tend to manifest it. I'm a manifester. So the question is, is this really what I want to manifest? Or am I chasing the right thing? Or as we go through reinventions, does the thing we want to change, we want to chase, need to change? So in your mind, this is, it feels like an abstract question, but I genuinely want to know what you think, because you described a very intentional strategy right now. And at the same time, I know that you're married to a wonderful man originally from Cuba, who you stumbled onto in a bar, which is probably <laughs> the last, the last, yeah. you didn't go there with the intention of meeting your husband. So that not. was serendipity that happened all of the way. So how much of all part of your life is strategy, which you articulated and just open to what the universe is sending. Oh, that's an excellent question. Yeah, especially being in a bar because I don't even drink. So the fact that I'm at my <laughs> bar is a huge joke. To me, and my next book that I'm going to be writing is called How to Create Opportunity. To me, is this partnership between strategy and serendipity. Yeah. And that you are always kind of dancing between the two, that you can have a strategy in terms of what it is you'd like to accomplish that gives you direction and puts you in motion, but you need to be open to those moments of serendipity because to me, like, I have to be willing to say yes to the magic. Even my head might be saying one thing, like I was saying when my friend literally said, oh, let's go out for drinks tonight on a Friday night. And I wanted to say no, because I was a new entrepreneur. I had just started. I was working all the time. And then the other part of me was like, no, go out. I didn't know that I would meet my completely amazing husband yeah. just by that. Yes. I'd say it's really both. It's really both. Yeah. My hunch is as I follow your writing and your work and what you talk about it is, it can sound like we're talking about career reinvention, but it's really about creating the kind of life that at the soul level you desire and giving yourself permission to do it, which is expressed through work and through all the other things, the relationships, love, all those things. And I love to be the story you told about waking up at home and going, where the hell am I? <laughs> in my own life, because I traveled a lot, I, even when I was home, people always had the perception that I wasn't home, that I was traveling. So my brand was the one that travels even when I was not traveling. So I'm curious, you are very successful in traditional ways in terms of your impact in the world and the revenue you make. You've been married to a wonderful man for a while. You've had a business for 20 years. 
do you think about, so what's next? Or do you think about what else wants to emerge? What have I not done? What are some other yearnings that I can satisfy now? Because all of that stuff is in order. Yeah. You know, that's an interesting question because one of the things that I I say to people, and it's true, uh, and true for me as well, because I'm human, is that every five to seven years, we enter a new stage of life. Yeah. And we become, we're different people. Yeah. The things that made sense for us in a particular stage, as we start to enter another stage, no longer fit. And that's natural because- We've become different people. The other thing that I say is even though I talk to people about career and it's this intersection of personal and professional, like we work at the intersection of personal and professional because my philosophy is that career is a mechanism to create a life you love. It's I love that both. And we always start with, you know, what's your vision for your life? So for me, I love what I do career-wise, right? Like I love the topic of reinvention and If I were to go back for a moment to say, if somebody wants to be an entrepreneur, I would say, pick a topic that you love and that like you just never get bored with because you're going to be talking about it for a long time. So that does not change. How I express it changes. I've been a traditional coach. Now we're building, you know, we've got digital products. We're doing a digital group coaching program. You know, we're expressing it differently. And then in life, you know, like I said, I love what I do. I don't envision stopping working coaching because it's fun. However, I'm married to a man that's older than I, and he's in a different stage of life. It occurred to me that even though I could very happily work for the next 10 to 12 years, just flat out, that if I did that, I would miss a stage with my husband because he's older. And so that things needed to change for me because. I have this amazing partner and I feel grateful and fortunate to have him and I want to spend time with him. What I woke up to is, okay, so for the next five years, like I'm focusing on this whole digital products piece so that I'm able to expand our reach without it being me personally. Um, And we're also changing how we live. We've been in Miami, you know, we were here taking care of his parents. Um, They now have both passed. And we're free. And so we're like, you know what? Let's move. We want to build a house, which is amazing to me because I never thought I wanted a house. (laughs) You know, I was always like, I like my condo life. But it's also about this vision for having a place where family can gather. He's older. My mother is older. She's still here. Thank God. I want a place where family can gather and I want to make those memories. So that's like sort of my next vision is to create that container, knowing that it will always be like that. There was so much wisdom in what you just said. I want to just reconfirm one thing you said, which has been very powerful in my own life. Because everything you're saying is about giving ourselves permission to continuously evolve and discover at the deepest level about what life could be for us. And I remember sitting in a in a hotel bar in Manhattan with a woman who was the head of HR for a big blue chip Wall Street firm downtown. And I was just learning a new course, a new seminar from somebody, and we would take clients out to drinks. And we were making chit-chat, and she said, 
you know, my philosophy in life is that every seven years, I do something completely different. She said, seven years ago, I left Paris to come to Manhattan, and I feel another seven-year change coming up. Mm. And what that comment did for me, because I was going, am I making the right career choice? Is this really what I want to do? Am I selling out? And it was just, no, this is what you're doing for now. Exactly. And that freed me up in so many ways. I appreciate you for saying all of that. You also beautifully articulate what you want to create in life experiences going forward. Now, many people, it's easy to use, let me put it this way, it's easy to use the idea of moving somewhere else or creating, having a different home as a band-aid for something else we haven't addressed. It can look like a surface move. You're clearly not talking about that. Right. My partner my partner, and I are looking to move to Europe next year, so we're clear about why we're doing it. What, what are you mentioned an older partner? What are you learning from him about life as somebody who's in a different stage and what matters to him? Oh, that's such a great question. Because <laughs> he calls me the ant because I'm always running around. <laughs> what I know about you, I think he's got you right. <laughs> <laughs> I was scurrying around doing a million things. He He knows how to relax. He knows how to relax. He knows how to chill. And that is really a lesson that I need more of. But he he stands as an example and he stands as a reminder for me to slow down and be present. I think if I if I didn't have him, you know, I would just be working all the time. I realized that, like I said, I'm so grateful to have him and you know, I've lost people that I love. My sister lost her husband, her great love. I just know that none of this is promised. And so like I live, it sounds morbid in some ways that I live with the idea of death every day. Yeah. But having gone through this with people that I love, I recognize how precious this time is. He helps me calibrate more. He helps me see that, yeah, I got a lot to do, but Like the last thing, if this were my last moment on earth, the last thing I'd want is not to have taken the time to be present. So I'm always like kind of dancing with both of those. We're talking about slowing down and being present. In what else are you discovering in the slowing down? Because the slowing down allows us to know more of what we think and feel inside. Mm -hmm. It allows us to notice more of what's going on around us. So as your husband is inviting you to slow down some more, <laughs> what and you talk about being present, but what are some things you are discovering about you along in that ride? Like I'm discovering what really matters to me. Yeah. I think that especially being in New York City for so long and being an entrepreneur, there are many metrics that the world tells you that you should be chasing and that I believed for a long time that I should be chasing. Okay. I've always been a boutique firm, but it took me a long time to really embrace it mm-hmm. in my heart and just say, that's what we are. It is completely okay. I don't have to be a $100 million company like every other VC tells us that we should be, like all the things. I think it's just this idea of, you know, what's important to me and what do I need to be doing to enjoy my life? Like what memories, because in the end, 
like when you're lying in that bed, if, if you're fortunate enough to have that be the way you go, all you have are memories. I always think about what memories do I want to be remembering about like what I did and what my life was. Do I really want to be remembering how much I sat at my desk? I don't think so. So it's those kind of calibrations that he invites the inquiry to see like, what are the things that the memories I want to be making for myself and my life? That was so beautifully said. I just had two more questions before Mm -hmm. we wrap up. First one, and I don't mean this in the sense of rewriting our life because our life got us to where we are, but if you had a chance to give some guidance to young Pamela in Minnesota. It's Milwaukee. Milwaukee, got you. I'm glad we clarified that. What is something you know now that you would offer as guidance, not to change the path, but almost if you were your own spirit guide, what would you tell her? I would tell her that as an adult, we're going to be fabulous. So not to worry. <laughs> because she's so not rewarded yeah. for like the spirit that she had, like in the way that she saw the world and what she wanted to do, like none of that was rewarded. And so she had to hide a lot and was, you know, again, just not popular, all the things. And what I would tell her is that like when you're looking at all those young girls and you're saying, oh, look at them, you know, they've got so much going on. I would tell her that it's really better to come into that magic when you're older, Mm. right? It's so much better to come into your magic as a woman when you're older. But you can only know that when you live that. Like I now see the girls and that was their moment. No, 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 I will take my moment now. Yeah. You don't want to be the person who says my best life was when I was 19. Exactly. That's exactly right. And last, because you're, in my mind, the reinvention guru, if you were to give, you did it already, but I want to wrap up with it. If you were to give some guidance to a listener who goes, I have some urges to start my own thing like Pamela did. I have some ideas about a brand, but maybe I I don't have her impressive past. You know, it was probably easy for Pamela because she had this great resume and she went to great schools. And what kind of guidance would you give somebody who hears that voice because is afraid to step forth? I would say that I wasn't born with any of those things. Right. Like if you looked at my trajectory, like my I was the first person to even go to college in my family. So the fact that I went to an Ivy League school was just completely out of the realm. Like I could have just gone to the local technical college and that would have been good enough. Yeah. People think that when you have like a glamorous bio or resume, that that's the thing that opens the doors. But it's not because, you know. If you're not born with it, it doesn't mean, number one, that you can't create it. And number two, that there are many pathways to success. Like you have to decide what does success look like for you? What is it that you're looking to build? And then look at what matters to those people. You know, I knew for what I wanted to do that having the what I call gold plated bio, and that's literally what I called it in my head. And it was a very intentional thing that I built. But it was because I knew it mattered 
in the way for what I wanted to build. But if that's not what I wanted, would I spend my time doing it? No, because you got to build for what you want to create. That's what I would say. So look at what you want to create and then say, what does it make sense? What matters to the people that are going to be buying from me? I did those things because I wanted to be the expert. So it wasn't for that, but I wanted the expertise and I wanted the world to see that. And that's a shorthand. So you look at what do you want and what's the shorthand that people will say, okay, this makes it safe for me to buy from that person and build that. So clear. Thank you for that. (laughs) Where would you like to send listeners who want to learn more about you? I've already mentioned your book, your Audible books. Where would you like them to look? You know, they can go to planetreinvention.com. We have a free quiz so they can learn their reinvention personality, which is really the first thing that you want to know when you're embarking on a journey, because you want to be able to structure it in a way that works for your personality. One of the big things is like, expecting ourselves to do something in a way that doesn't fit who we are. So that first step is to know who you are, and then you can begin to build your journey from there. So planetreinvention.com forward slash quiz, and you'll get straight there. Thank you, Pamela. And thank you for the gift of this conversation. I so appreciate it. Right back at you, Akeem. Thank you so much. It has been a gift and a pleasure. Like what you heard? Please go to myfourthact.com and subscribe to receive my updates on upcoming episodes. Please also subscribe to us on the platform of your choice. Rate us, give us a review, and let us all create some magical fourth acts together. Ciao.